Hi, I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. And you're listening to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. All right, welcome back to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. Yeah, everyone, I'm super pumped for today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Jenna, we're talking tigers today. Yes. Something that I think every who doesn't love tigers? I know. Everyone's They're passionate like, about tigers. They have to be the top five favorite animals, right? Absolutely. They gotta be. We're being joined by Aaron Carney, who's one of our keepers in our Night Hunters and Cat Canyon department, who works with our tigers here at the zoo. We have two new tigers. Two new tigers yes. to talk about. I'm excited to hear about them. Aaron, thanks for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate hey. it. I know you're busy, but no, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Talk about tigers. I mean, we we have new tigers to talk about. We want to learn about tigers in general from you. But we also want to start, we always start episodes asking people how they got to where they are. Yeah. And I've known you, what, at least 10 years now? Yeah, I've been here about 10 years. Yeah, and I, I think you have a really interesting start to your career and how you got into this. And it's not the one we typically hear. So <laughs> I'm excited to hear your story and how you started as a zookeeper at, at the Cincinnati Zoo. Um. Well, I took an extremely long route to get here. Um, Great things take time, right? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. It's, so I was pretty passionate um, as a kid. Um, loved animals. Um, that's all I wanted to do was either be a vet or work with animals in the field. And I'll be honest, um, in high school, I came to career day here at the zoo. I was so excited. And um, it kind of changed my mind. Um, I just... It just wasn't what I thought. But keep in mind, I am much older than the average keeper here. Um, I you am, wouldn't be able to tell yeah. by looking at her. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I wouldn't agree with that. But I'm 53. So um, we're talking 30 plus. I'm trying not to age myself. Well, I did just you age just myself. <laughs> I just outed myself. <laughs> anyway, so it was quite a while ago. And what's interesting is the evolution of zoos um, and how far they've come. We still have a long way to go, um, but I just, it's exciting. Um, so I took a totally different route um, kind of after that. And what did you what, see on, I'm sorry to interrupt, oh, what did you see on your career day that like, like you saw everyone scoop and poop and you were like, this isn't for me? Yeah, it was kind of that and sweeping floors and stuff like that. Like it's a lot today, of cleaning, especially 30 years ago. Yeah. There wasn't the fun stuff that, well, what I consider fun, the enrichment yeah. and the training wasn't. Completely there. It it wasn't. Um, You know, zoos were more of a menagerie. They're more of like an entertainment thing, which, you know, we're still kind of in that business a bit because we want people to enjoy their time at zoo, but we also want to make it more educational and find a way that, you know, people can get passionate about animals and what can they do for them. Definitely. Um, I didn't really see that. I don't even know if that was, you know, part of just the regular chat talk back then, if it was, you know, that, that big of a deal, but... I didn't see that. Um, you know, today there's still plenty of cleaning. So, <laughs> right. but I don't know. Maybe my young age, I just thought I was above that. But I just kind of wanted to be more hands-on um, with the animals, and I did not see that. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Whereas today we do so much operant conditioning. Um, basically, if you don't know what that is, just kind of training the animals for um, husbandry procedures. Um, so there isn't. There's a lot less stress. Um, you know, we're not having to. Uh, you know. Uh, use anesthesia, things like that, that can be really dangerous just to do basic mm-hmm. things on mm-hmm. animals. Um, so much enrichment. Um, we don't want to stereotypic behaviors to develop today um, out of boredom or small spaces. Uh, you know, they didn't ask to be here, and we are trying to make their lives as, as wonderful as we possibly can. And, uh, I, you know, I don't want to knock zoos, you know, again. We've evolved, and yeah. we still yeah. have some room to grow, and it's exciting. Um, but, you know, being young back then, I was like, eh, I don't think this is for me. 
I've said that before, talking to Gary Densler, you know, he went back 50 years and like, oh my gosh, if that was happening these days, there's no way yeah. it'd be a zookeeper. There's no way. Yeah. 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 I do love hearing some old time. <laughs> yes, there are some things that I'm like, yeah, that, that sounds like fun. one of my favorite things about, you know, working in the zoo uh, and people that have been here for so long, which is, you know, another thing. It's there. People, you, once you get a job here, you don't leave. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a lifelong career, and and see why. But back in the day, there were yeah. some wild experiences yeah. to yeah. be had, though. Yeah. That is for sure, for better or for worse. I mean, <laughs> speaking of tigers, they used to take tigers to the Bengals games. That's yeah. wild. And yeah. so, of course, like who doesn't want to take a tiger out to meet people? But when you like work at a zoo now, we look back and we're like. Yeah, there's a reason we don't do that anymore, yeah, and there's a reason we don't promote tigers on a leash and that sort of thing. So things have changed, and that's, you know, we've talked about that before. Yeah. Like, we're we're glad there's progression, and we're always progressing and trying to be better every day. It's really important. It's exciting, and it's exciting to be a part of that yeah. and, you know, be able to use your creativity and um, education and things like that to just, you know, try to improve things so you came in high school and you're like no thank you but now you're here now i'm here how did that Um, happen i took a big detour i was in banking i kind of fell into that accidentally for a temporary job of about six months uh and then i apparently i did well they promoted me or i don't know they just uh, you did well. You did well. Clearly did well. <laughs> Twelve years later, I'm still in banking, and I was like, "No, I can't do this. I can't do this." Um, and then it was around uh, 2000 when, um, you know, everything the world was going to end because Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had made the decision. I was like, "I'm just. I, I'm going to go move, or I, I've got to do a career change. I wanted to work with animals, and I didn't know in what capacity." And um. I was fortunate enough that they offered me a bonus to stay on through Y2K to oh help you know, make sure the world didn't end and all the computers <laughs> in the banking world didn't uh, explode. Um, so they gave me a little extra money to go kind of start over and figure out, okay, what do I want to do and work with animals? So um, I did, uh, I was a general manager of, uh, in the pet industry, dogs and cats took care of them for when people go on vacation oh, they had okay. grooming mm. and daycare and all that stuff um so i really learned um a lot about you know kind of the husbandry when you have a lot of animals yeah. together um some training and just you know trying to figure out where am i going to fit in in this picture um i'm not i'm not one for management i really uh, wanted to be more hands-on yeah. <laughs> So it wasn't exactly the role for me, but I did start um, working at a vet's office, and that I really found fascinating and wonderful. Uh, I was kind of a vet tech for a while, really, really enjoyed that. Um, And that schedule allowed me the flexibility to start volunteering at the zoo. Um, You know, I loved coming to the zoo. I could obviously kind of see some changes and you know, it was kind of my happy place. And when I started volunteering, I was like, all right, I found it. This is, this is it. This is what I need to do. This is where I need to be. Uh, felt like family. It just, it, everything just felt right. Um, so it took a while, a lot of volunteering and, you Were know, you I started s- in different positions. I say, did you yeah. start off with like the educational carts that we used to have? Yeah, okay. I would volunteer at the carts. And then I started off as a volunteer with, uh, 
like wild encounters and oh, taking yeah. some uh, animals mm-hmm. out for random encounters, which was fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did some volunteering, um, like keeper assistant. Uh, the longer I was here and was like, just the more I got into it, the more I was like, this is where I need to be. So I did have to go back and get a little more schooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that and a lot of volunteering. And then it just kind of evolved. Um, got a uh, paid position at Wild Encounters. And then I moved on to Elephant House back when we had giraffes. And I was a seasonal uh, keeper there, which was amazing. Um, learned a lot. Uh, a lot of folks at Elephant House that just have a lot of experience, a lot of great stories. Definitely. <laughs> uh, that was fun. fun We've fun. heard from Val. We've yeah. heard some of Val's okay, stories before. Yeah. So, you, know, you know how fun that can be. Um, and then I had a really, really unique opportunity. Um, the curator of primates called me. Um, there was a gorilla down in Texas at the Gladys Porter Zoo. Uh, first time mom. Uh, she was not taking care of her baby. And we had four potential gorillas, female gorillas here, that they felt would make a good surrogate uh, mother for this baby. Um, so what that meant was they flew that, that baby gorilla up here, but they also needed a human surrogate before we could start introducing or try to find a gorilla mom. Um, so I got to be a full-time gorilla mom. Uh, for three months. That's uh, amazing. Like, why yeah, Why you? I don't mean that in, like, but you weren't one of the gorilla keepers. Like, how, how do you think you fell into that position? Um, I volunteered at the primates. Oh, area. you did. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. So okay. as I was working in Elephant House, I also volunteered in other areas. Okay, I forgot. That makes um, sense. So, yeah. I And so I kind of knew... You were able to make some connections. It wasn't yeah. like you didn't know any of the yeah. primate no, keepers. No, no. Okay, you were... Yeah, so and it was definitely obvious that I wanted to break into, you know, more of a keeper role and get a full-time position and things like that. So I got to be the overnight mom, which meant that I came in at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> and um, we want that experience to be, because the end goal, uh, we don't want to hand-raise this baby. We don't want to take babies away for any species, away from their mom, unless it's absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so the goal was always to get her back with a, or get her with a a female gorilla. But um, in the interim, we wanted to keep things as close to how it was going to be as possible. So that meant we wanted her to have the same smells and sounds and environment that she's going to have once she's not with a human, which meant I slept in one of the gorilla uh, areas in the back bedroom, (laughs) on the floor, in the straw, um, I mean, smells I nice in there. Yeah, it's oh, it <laughs> smells wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Um, and you know, spent the night because you had to do like had to give her bottles throughout the night, um, and that also she could hear the vocalizations of the other gorillas. Um, she could kind of see them through, you know, across the hall and and hear them next door and. Um, it was all very interesting. It was a great learning experience. I did learn how to speak like a gorilla. Um, because one of the important things was she needs to learn how, just like a mom, you know, like she bites, like, you know, like that's that's not good behavior. Yeah. She, yes. You know, gorillas are very social. And so you need to make sure she takes up on all those social cues. So we didn't do baby talk to her as much as you wanted to, but, you know, if there was something going on in the area um, and, you know, maybe she felt frightened or whatever, we'd have to make soothing sounds just like a real gorilla would. Oh, my gosh. Um, you don't want to do them yeah. for us, do you? Huh? You don't want to do them for us, do you? It sounds like a belch. Oh, really? A belch. Yeah, it's very guttural. I would be terrible at doing that. <laughs> I, oh, God, I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassing, but it's like, <clears throat> 
that's like soothing okay. kind of talk oh. to them. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, it, you know, like I said, I would spend the night there with her. Uh, and then there were other keepers that would work with her. Like, I, um, you know, during the day, because mm-hmm. somebody had to be with her all the time. But one of the interesting things is, too, is that gorilla babies instantly hold on to their moms as soon as they're born. Um, and it's the baby's job to hold on. Yeah. I mean, mom will hold on to them a little bit, but basically that the baby has the strength and they will hold on. So we did wear fur vests and crawled around and uh, did basically what a, a gorilla would do. So that was exciting. Do you go see her often? Do you think she, she would remember you? Like, you have to have some sort of bond, right? And which gorilla is this? This was Kamina. Um, Kamina okay. Unfortunately, things just did not work out um, with any of our females here. Oh. So she ended up going to Columbus Zoo yeah. and then had a surrogate there. So I have gone to visit her and see her. I'd like to believe she remembers me, uh-huh. but uh, I'm not entirely sure. But <laughs> I, I like to tell myself that, yeah, I'm still her mom. Yeah. And she'll always remember I don't blame me. you. Definitely. But, yeah, one of the interesting, what probably my, yeah, I don't know if this is a great topic of conversation, but I'm going for it. Uh, I was there overnight, so it was pitch dark, and, you know, gorillas are, uh, just eat lettuce and all that oh, stuff. Boy. So yeah, they're very gassy. <laughs> <laughs> very gassy. So you'd be like middle of the night, pitch dark, and you hear a lot of farts. Oh man! <laughs> you know why? They it never made me stop laughing <laughs> every time. Like I laughed every single time out loud. You're just oh, alone with a baby gorilla cracking <laughs> up, sleeping in a stroll. Like so. Funny, People think yeah. you're crazy, lady. Like, if they didn't know any yeah. better. <laughs> I was like, where is she going with this? <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but anyway, so I did that for a few months, um, and then I fell into, basically, I did some volunteering in a couple other areas, keeper volunteering while I was still with Wild Encounters, and then um, got fortunate enough that a position opened in our Bear Line area, which is now converted um, to, we call North America, but we are uh, polar bears, black bears, um, our Andean bear, we had uh, our sea lion, otters, wolves, uh, all those animals, and um, ended up with a temp position there, and was there for five years. <laughs> it's wild how that works. Yeah. <laughs> five yeah. years so in a quote-unquote temp yeah. role. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so temporary. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was amazing. I loved it. Loved the people. Loved the animals. Yeah, that's a cool uh, group of animals. Yes, that was super cool. And then I was fortunate about two and a half years ago uh, to get a permanent position um, at the Night Hunters. Uh, so it's been a lot of learning and and everything, but we have so many different species there, which is wonderful. Yes. But. And you had a lot of species experience before getting yeah. that job. I mean, between yeah. giraffe and elephants and all the North American animals and then raising a baby gorilla. Like, you've, yeah. got, you've got a wide range under your belt. And yeah, Night Hunters, there's, what, 20 more species and do you know how many I'm you know what? I putting on the spot? But no, I didn't, don't worry. I didn't know how many animals we have in our department. So okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of different like small mammals and then the large, you know, cats. And um, if you want to count all the vampire bats, uh, <laughs> we definitely have over 300 animals in that area. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know if we want to count them all individually. But sure, we do. But yeah, okay, so that's an incredible, like, leading up to Night Hunter's career, and so many cool animals we could talk about in Night Hunter's, but today we're going to focus on the tigers. And, you know, recently we've had, you know, two new tigers join us, 
So will you tell us their species and their names and maybe their ages or any fun personality facts for the people that are, you know, coming to the zoo often and, you know, are really interested in these new guys. What can they learn about them as individuals? Uh, so we have Malayan tigers here. Um, there was actually nine, all the tigers are subspecies, and there was a total of nine subspecies. So Malayan are what we have here. Um, they would be considered the most endangered or almost the most endangered. So basically three of the nine species are already extinct. Mm. There is one uh, species of tiger that is extinct in the wild, but there's about 30 individuals that are in human care. Is that a that mirror tigers? No, actually uh, it is the South China tiger. Oh, okay. Um, so there's only about 30 to 40, um, but all of them are endangered. Um, every tiger that is still left. So uh, still got a lot of work to do, but we do have, like I said, we have the Malayan. I'm sure everybody's uh, usually comes up and they're used to the Bengals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah they're from Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. They're not a Bengal tiger, but don't tell anybody. You know, they're still, you know, still almost the same. Um, but we did have, we had three sisters that were born here um, recently with SSP recommendations, which is the species uh, survival plan, and they try to do what's best uh, for the population of these animals and what's best for them in human care. Um, they just recently got sent out. I'm glad you so. brought that up because we've seen some questions where people are asking, like, why didn't we bring a male to yeah. breed here? Why would we send them out? Why aren't we breeding here? But sometimes they're just differences in facilities that make one a better fit or it's easier to send this tiger than that tiger for breeding mm -hmm. and such so sorry go on but yeah oh, no, i think that's yeah, absolutely it's all based off of the species survival plan yeah. and what's best yeah for them. it's not really you know our decision we want to they want to try to figure out you know which animals are most genetically viable um and in and valued um we don't want in interbreeding we we want to do what is best for those animals mm -hmm. and so if there's another facility that is got you know uh, more space or whatever the circumstances or it's more matching flexibility up, with their yeah. setup yeah, or like a mothering den very or flexible. Yeah. something <laughs> so yeah. just that type of setup too so they don't just look at personalities they're also looking at facilities and things like that and also we don't want to ignore the fact that you know there are animals that you know like one of our new ones her name is Jen she's 14 years old wow so she's well past the breeding age yes. so you know, we don't want to forget these animals. They're important. Yeah. They didn't, you know, ask to be here. We want to make their lives as, as great as possible. So, um, you know, they need to have the best of the best, too. So they felt that Jen was a great fit for mm -hmm. Cincinnati. So that is one of the reasons she's here. We're going to try to do our best to give her the best uh, care we possibly can. 14. What is their average lifespan? Uh, usually about 15 to 20. Um, we can get into the, the lower 20s, wow. especially in human care. We, you know, they're not having to deal with all the things they have to do in the wild. They're getting veterinary care. Mm -hmm. Don't have to worry about, you know, hunting for their food. You know, they're going to, it's getting brought to them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll mush it up for her if she needs it. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to, we're going to do all that. So, but yeah, she's getting there. But now when you see her though, she definitely does not look like an old lady. Oh, she good. doesn't act like an old lady. Oh, that's awesome. She is, uh, she's, she's doing great. Um, you know, one of the things I do want to talk about is, you know, we, two of our girls got sent to other places that I think a lot of um, our members and visitors were very used to Izzy and Batari. Um, and I just want to give some props to our keeper. Like both of those um, 
girls are doing fabulous in their Great. new places. That's so good to hear. Um, Batari has not even been gone very long, but um, her new facility, her new place, her new home, um, has just said how marvelously she's adapted. So much so she has still kept her, some of her behaviors that she has learned, husbandry behaviors. A couple of weeks ago, they were able to actually do uh, a blood draw on her, which right. is something that one of our keepers, Michelle, was uh, very vital and she trained Batari, um, that particular behavior. Do you guys do the tail amazing. like we do from yeah. lions? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah. So basically we She was like, sure, you're yeah. new keepers, but you can do yeah. She's just totally, she's just totally chill. So she literally would like, what we would do is like kind of call her into the back, ask her to lay down, um, ask her to kind of hold. We can have one of the vet techs, they would grab the tail and just draw blood and she's just like, okay, whatever. You know, it took some time to do that, mm -hmm. um, but she trusted us and we, it took a long time to build that trust. Right. And, mm -hmm. um, it's great that her new keepers have been able to maintain that and yeah. she's adjusted that well. Especially so, after a big move and everything like that, exactly. you never know how an animal's gonna react to it. Yeah, and, and also too, on those moves, we prepare them. Mm -hmm. um, so we make sure that they are going to be comfortable you know, nobody's, com let's face it, like, it's not an ideal situation to it's ship an animal. Plane, exactly, right? that's <laughs> what I was going to say. Nobody's really comfortable yeah. on a plane, even if you're in first yeah. class. Um, but um, we do try to make it as easy as possible. So we always, like, for the first few, uh, few weeks before she left, let her have access to where she's going to be shipped in. We put bedding in there. So it's just something that she would walk right into. There's no mm -hmm. forcing. There's no anything like that. So she, they are very comfortable. So... Um, so if anybody's asking about how Batari and Izzy are doing, they're doing great. Great. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a huge loss for us because we love those girls. Yes. However, you know, it makes us very happy to see them succeeding and happy where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's a testament yeah. to you guys as a team yeah. and to their new keepers. Like it's yeah. a credit to all of you guys. Like, yeah. That's amazing. We're excited about that. Now there's a lot of challenges that come with, you know, new, getting new animals in. Um, and we've definitely been faced with some challenges with these two new ones um but they're both just so different so unique and it's just kind of um to brainstorm to figure out what's best for them what they like what they don't like mm -hmm. um Jin is extremely our female she's extremely laid back oh, she's good. totally chill she's just like anything goes it's almost like she's been here forever that's great to um, hear. Yeah, we still have a lot of work to do because there's a lot of things that maybe visitors don't understand that, first of all, once they come here, they do have to go through a type of a quarantine mm -hmm. procedure. Mm -hmm. um, we want to make sure that, you know, they didn't catch anything on the way here, that they're safe, that we're not risking the health of any of the other animals or our other tigers. So um, then we also have to make sure that, you know, if we let her out into our yard that... She understands what kind of the, the boundaries are. She also knows when to come back in. Mm -hmm. You know, we had the storm. Power went out. Oh, kind gosh. of thing. Yeah. We have to get these animals used to coming in, um, you know, when we need them to come right. in yeah. and that type of thing. So there's a lot of adjustments and some, some coordinations, you know, that we have to, to go through um, to make sure that it's safe for everybody, not just the animals, but, you know, our visitors and stuff as well. I mean, these are wild, dangerous animals. So right. Love to think that I could go in and pet her and she's <laughs> super chill, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that would happen. Uh, Zero is our boy. Uh, he is six. Okay. Um, this is his first time away from where he was born, um, and he also lived with his brother. So 
he's a little more difficult. A he's big very, very shy. Um, he is very shy with us, with new people. Um, there's a few of us who have really kind of, you know, worked with him all day long, getting him used to us and the noises and yeah. things, of, you know, in his behind the scenes, in his bed area, den mm-hmm. area. Um, getting used to all that um, is, is a big step. And he's taken a little bit longer um, than what we typically see and, and definitely what we've seen with Jen. Um, even just getting him to want to go out into the yard, uh, you know, that was a long process. Mm-hmm. Now we're working on getting him to come back into the yard <laughs> when we need him, or from the yard when we need him to. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely had some challenges. Um, we also, you know, we have the two yards, but until we can get, you know, each tiger coming in and out confidently, um, we can't really put switch them off yeah you know because we're going to have two tigers kind of next to each other we're not sure how they're going to deal with that kind of thing so when you come to the zoo one yard will be empty and you never know if it's going to be gin or zero out Uh, because we're rotating them out into that that first yard um and then then eventually we'll get them so each has time outside every day that we can put them in different yards and they can both be out at the same time okay that process will take a little while though Yeah, yeah yeah I have a question about him living with his brother until he was six. I thought they were pretty much solitary unless it's a mother with cubs. What? How did they that are. work? And why did he get along? Like, it was it just a special situation? They got along Probably. so they stayed together? I think, you know, there's a lot of situations like that that we see um, in, you know, different species of animals yeah. and also kind of in human care, too. So... Mm-hmm. You know, like we had our three girls that were born here, and at a certain age, they're like, all right, we're done with each other, yeah. and they had to be separated. Um, prior to our three girls, we did have two brothers that lived here, and they were fine. Um, it, it just kind of depends. Okay. Um, you know, you just never know. Um, so Each individual is unique, and sometimes the personalities yeah. mesh, sometimes they don't. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, maybe somewhere down the line, it wouldn't have meshed um but still we have to think too a lot of that is um a lot of the males won't get along because basically they are competing for females right mm-hmm. um you know territory kind of thing and food so as long as like you kind of keep the males or whatever if you have the two same sexes together keeping them separated at meal times and that kind of thing and you're very aware of that stuff a lot of times you can make those ar- arrangements same thing like um like our polar bears, like mm-hmm. when I work with polar bears, they don't typically, you, you wouldn't see a male and female living right. together, but ours did just fine. So yeah. it just kind of depends um, on the situation. But that's an excellent question. I mean, hopefully he gets used to it and likes his, his space to himself. Though. Yeah, I hope yeah. so too. Yeah. Hope but so we hear that a lot. A lot of times just with a lot of our, you know, our animals out on their habitats, we'll hear, you know, visitors say, oh, they need a friend. They need to, why are yeah. they alone? And like, no, some well, prefer yeah, that way. Trust me, <laughs> that's how they want it. You yes. know, that's how they are in the wild and that's how they want to be like, you know, here at the zoo. So um, just so you know, he's... We're, we're trying to do what's absolutely best for them. Yeah. So, yeah. With tigers, it can be tricky. And I know, especially when we had the three girls, it was really tricky mm-hmm. telling them apart. Are there any visual cues that you guys are able to look for with Zero and Jin so that if a guest comes and they see him on Habitat, they might be able to tell who's who? Besides the fact that one's a boy. One's a boy. <laughs> yes, Aaron, if they're looking at their faces <laughs> and they're laying down, how can you tell? Um, basically, I don't know... Uh, 
Zero, his head is so fluffy. Okay. I would say that's, like, the best way. Um, he's just got some extra scruff kind of around yeah, his neck area. Yeah, he's just got a really, really big fluffy head. As far as weights, they're about the same size. What is? What are their weights? Um, they're a little over. They're about two fifty, two sixty. Oh, they're small. I guess they Malayans are, small. are Malayan smaller. Malayans are smaller. Mm. They are much smaller than like what you would see with like the Siberian or Amur tigers mm. or like Bengal tigers. Okay. Um, which are going to be your biggest? So they're almost twice. The yeah, size. I was going to say John our lion is you know like four four twenty. Yeah. So uh, like thinking about them being about half John's size, yeah. I guess. So Malayan tigers are neat, too, because they are that much brighter orange, so uh, they're spectacular to look at mm -hmm. that way, but then they're also smaller. So a lot of times people come and look at them and expect that, like, why aren't they bigger or think that they're really young? It's just different species, different, you know, different size, you know. And that's an, correct me if I'm wrong, I've always heard that's an adaptation to living in, like, a dense jungle. Because the Malayans live in a lot denser forest than the Siberians or the Bengals might. So the, the smaller size kind of helps them navigate a little bit. Yeah, um, totally different environment too. So mm -hmm. you're talking like the Amur Siberian tigers. They're in completely cold, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> very cold weather. They're up it there. is wild to think of yeah. them in such different, like, yeah. climate. Yeah. like <laughs> jungle hot yeah. or like, like Siberia. Yeah. <laughs> so it's totally different. I think that's, you know, one reason that they've, they've adapted. So, yeah, excellent point. Very cool. So, I mean, all tigers have different stripes, so it's kind of like our fingerprints. Exactly. If you came and you saw them, like, at the same time, you might eventually be able to pick out, or maybe if you study photos, I guess, yeah. you would be able to tell, like, maybe different stripes or look for something, mm -hmm. but it's... For I'm you guys, sure it's definitely the put, I think we had uh, some signs up at one point um, telling the girls apart uh, how to tell, like, on their face, and I think some of our members have come up with a a way to tell them apart. I haven't. Okay. I, I just automatically know. Yeah, so me I, too, I, yeah. I, I <laughs> have not, like, really observed them close enough to say one has a big stripe down the center of their head or yeah. something like that, so. It's but it is something that they're unique with, yeah. like, away yeah. the giraffe, they don't have the same pattern, yeah. so. It's one of those things, too, where, like, I feel like every keeper sees something different oh, in the animal, yeah. like, Teresa, when we work with the giraffes, Teresa will say, oh, I look for this marking in Zoe, and I'm like, I've never seen that right. marking <laughs> in my life. I've never paid any attention to it. Yeah, remember well, otters? I could like, totally tell Sugar and Wesley apart just by personality. Like, I oh, was, yeah. Like, I they, they didn't this have, they barely this, yeah. had anything that was different. I was yeah. just like, oh, yeah. That's Sugar. She's crazy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so as Malayan tigers, what are they hunting in the wild, and what are some of the things that you've found are their favorites here, if you can tell yet, yeah, with Zero um, and Jin? Favorites, we try to give them, like, they obviously, uh, we have meat in their diet, mm -hmm. um, but we try to incorporate a lot of prey items, too, as well, just like they would in the wild. So um, out in the wild, they're going to catch things like um, deer, um, boar, um, taper, um, but they might even, you know, depending on food sources, they might go for even like a small bear, like sun bear. Wow, no yeah. way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and actually even they could go for like, a, it would, this would be rare, but they might even go for something bigger, like, uh, like a small, like a baby elephant or something like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But that's kind of rare. It's, yeah. It's more like the bears. And but they're the really good hunters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're amazing. What I find so amazing about tigers is that, you know, they obviously beautiful, beautiful, bright orange, like 
their camouflage is so different than other animals with the beige and the black and the so you just don't think about it and we do get visitors sometimes that are like oh no tiger in the yard and they absolutely are wow it is so amazing how when they are laying in the bamboo or the grass in the yard that you cannot see them um and what you know that kind of is is like basically if they are in the dense jungle like you talked about the way the sun comes down through that dense jungle it creates a lot of like bright spots and shadows and things like that which they're they're orange and black just is perfect for their environment but it is just one of those cool things about like how camouflage works for sure you just literally just i mean think about it hunters wear bright orange like (laughs) so so that they can be seen and yet we've got this animal who's totally camouflaged with bright orange. so i do find that it is wild how it works for sure yeah Yeah. and the light like kind of filtering in Mm -hmm. just meshes well with yeah i mean i have a hard time sometimes i'll go out to the front and like try to see where they're at in Uh the yard and i'm like find them I can't find them and you you're know, like, you're like I just put them out I like, watch them walk out the door <laughs> yeah and then I'll find them and then it's just like wow it's how they blend in it's so is that what they do for hunting then they're blending in like stalking their prey mm-hmm. they're not chasing them like a cheetah they're kind of sneaking up on them yeah they're very strong um you know they can run fast but you know their their main thing is kind of be going to be like that stalking and being able to camouflage and kind of you know pounce at the end yeah absolutely but they can run pretty fast so Mm -hmm. we're talking like 40 miles an hour type even faster than that so um that's terrifying yeah Yeah. Yeah. big to run that fast so you know you could be right by a tiger and, and not know it wow so i mean what we've found here that they like um we do give them uh, I don't know, can I say? Like, yeah. Okay, so they get, you know, bunnies. Um, <laughs> first of all, anybody listening, those animals are, we do not feed out live no. animals. Um, but they get uh, guinea pigs, uh, bunnies. Um, we give them some, like, goat pieces. Um, what I think I feel like their favorite is, both of them, um, it's still still working it out, but they both seem to really, like, like their bunnies. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. That's one of John's That's favorites. That's the same with John. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John really, the lion. Really like the bunnies. Uh, super cool thing, um, too, that we used to do with the girls, um, and maybe we'll get to that point with um, Jen and Zero, is there is a pole out in the yard. Um, it's a feed pole, and we will actually hang uh, one of their prey items up there, usually their bunny, and you can actually watch them climb very, very high. Super cool. Is it like strength. 8, 10, 12 feet to you? Oh, it is way more than that. But oh, really? Yeah, wow. No, it's it's very, I've seen very like cool. a few videos or pictures, but I've yeah, never seen it. It lasts like a, it lasts like a second. <laughs> it happens so fast. You have all these visitors like waiting at the window, and uh, like if you blink, you'll miss it. Yeah, and that's what's cool. But yeah, we when we started that with the girls, um, you know, it took them a while. Um, you know, we because we can you know lower and raise it, and we started it pretty low. They would stand up and just kind of grab it. Uh-huh. Um, but then once they got used to it, uh, they just were like, they could climb all the way to the top, and it was just it was. It's phenomenal to it's see. It's an awesome natural behavior to yeah. encourage, to yeah. good exercise for them and everything. Absolutely. Awesome. We do try to do that, um, encourage as much of that as we can. So a lot of times we'll take those prey items, hide them out in the yard, um, you know, hang them, do whatever we can to, to kind of keep promoting that. and Keep them stimulated, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I need to mention, super cool about tigers, uh, water. Oh, yes. Very few cats love water. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, So you will find them, especially in this 
wonderful oh, weather gosh. that we're having right now. <laughs> um, both Zero and Jen have spent a lot of time in that pool right by the front That's window. That's super cool. It's so close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you'll, you'll get to see them up there. They spend a lot of time there. Um, and then hopefully when we start using the other yard, um, they have that bigger pool with the waterfall. But um, that's just one of those adaptations of, like, tigers. They just love the water. They'll get in there and, and play um, and splash around. Sometimes they just lay there. It's just their way of, like, cooling off. Just hang out. Yeah. Just hanging out. So um, that's one of the things, the cool things to see this summer is a lot of, you know, coming up and just being inches, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, from the tiger. So. Um, I wanted to talk, it's not like necessarily about tigers in general, but some people who have been to the zoo might have noticed the dots on the windows. Oh, yeah. Will you just talk, I think we might have mentioned it during our bird migration episode, but for anybody who didn't listen, we have dots along some of our habitats, but the tigers, it's really like obvious, I feel yeah. like compared. And will you explain to why, like to the listeners why the zoo would do that. Oh, we just like to annoy people yes, that are trying to take pictures. We want to ruin all we, just, we, like to get, we like to offer up challenges to anybody <laughs> trying to get a good picture. Um, no, those are basically like um, to, for our wild birds, um, migrating birds, and just, you know, um, our local birds, um, you know, if seen at home, you can, birds can fly into windows, and we just want to avoid that at all costs. Um, I know we've done some studies as well, too, of like, um, some of our environments are habitats that have the glass, like where did we see more bird strikes than other places? Because sometimes, you know, some, some of our uh, habitats, we don't see that much and other ones we mm -hmm. see a lot more. So that kind of is the dots are to hopefully avoid any of those. And the reason to bring that up is because one of the coolest parts about the zoo changing and being more progressive is how we've changed their habitats. And one of those things is having these giant panels of glass so that you can be inches yeah. from a tiger. Yeah. But then it comes at a cost to these wild birds we've learned. And yeah. as a conservation organization, you know, we're trying to balance that out of inspiring you and having the habitats more beautiful and easy to, to get up close to the animals, but then also looking out yeah. for our, our native wildlife. So I think that's something as annoying as it might be, if you know the explanation behind it, yeah. I think it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, helps you agree with it a little bit more. Um, so does Zero and Jin come in with any certain training, or do you guys have any goals for them? Once I know there's a lot going on right now, and it's yeah. not a priority for some things, but like getting them comfortable with the yard is most yeah. most important, of course, and, um, and each other, or not each other, but keepers and the animals. So right now, like um, Jin, she's she's fabulous. Um, you know, she had already had a lot of these um, behaviors. She knows where does she come from? Jin is from. Virginia. Okay. No, she's Tulsa. He's Virginia. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Got, I get it confused. Um, and then, so she knows, she knows how to target. Okay. Um, I don't know. Does everybody know what targeting Go is? Go ahead. You can feel free to yeah, explain. Yeah, feel free to okay. explain it. Yeah. So one of the, probably one of the most basic and one of the first things that you're going to teach an animal um, is targeting. And you may have seen some keepers do this. You'll have a stick with some sort of a ball on the end or a buoy or whatever. Um, and basically that is you want to be able to get an animal to maybe come over to what you call your target stick. Um, and that way you can kind of, not kind of, but it's one of the, a, an easy way to get them to move to locations that you need them to. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, a scale. You know, we don't want to have to like 
crate them up every time or do something, you know, just let them like easily. And then once you, you know, get them to target, then you can, you know, reward them with whatever their favorite item is. But it's a way to get them to shift to different areas so that you can do appropriate cleaning. Um, you can get weights. Um, you Move can just them around. Yeah. Like you want to see their left side, but they're showing you their exactly. right. Like they get up to see yeah. the target and then you can see different. Yeah. And then yeah, once they've got so that, basic, yeah. but so helpful. Once you get the targeting down too, you can start working on everything else like you know easily getting them to create themselves so when mm -hmm. they do have to go to you know for their veterinary exam or physical they're just oh yeah my crate cool yeah so it's just kind of a beginning stage too but there's just so much else that you can do with it um so she can target um we can get her to lay down uh she, we can sit so we're able to do a whole basic you know we can the physical look her over, look her over yeah. every day. Um, so she's already yeah. responding to all these behaviors Absolutely. with you? Absolutely. Like awesome. I said, she's laid back and awesome. chill and does all that. Um, Zero, it took a little more time, mm -hmm. um, but he he will. He oh, will. He's also, he knows how to target. We can get him to basically do some of the, the basic things, um, you know, get him to lay down and things like that. Um, it is also, too, what I've found with him is if he does tend to get stressed, I can start to target him a little bit, and that kind of, like, changes where his focus is at okay. you know so if you know there's a noise or something and he's not quite sure of and he starts to get a little bit like you know anxious I'll, you know i can start targeting and all of a sudden his you know his mind's like oh yeah and then you know things are good so um he's definitely developing they came in with those um and then we'll probably do the same thing that you know we did with our girls too and um you know we want to be able to do um like their injections mm -hmm. I mean you know just like your pets at home you know these guys need vaccines so we want them to voluntarily be able to do that um which I know, think is funny because what? most of us at home our dogs wouldn't voluntarily yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> so we yeah. tigers and lions yeah yeah that's a good point yeah so you know we're doing all that um that and we'll, we'll continue to work with that too as well with with these two um as we go in and probably put out some more fun enrichment um, get them have, moving around. Have you found that out, like any of their favorites yet, or no? Taking that slowly too. Like for yeah. example, Tucker, our new male hippo, is terrified of half the toys that the girls love. So <laughs> you know, different. Every animal has a different personality, or they're used Enrichment's to something. Slow yeah, going with him. yeah. <laughs> he loves a hanging barrel and just knocking all the food out of it, and he won't come near one. So yeah, I honestly, <laughs> I they love the logs that we give them, and, and oh yeah, and that working on them. But I have not seen either play with any particular toy or enrichment that we've given them other than their prey items. Okay. Um, and, you know, we have, like, hung a few up, like, in their uh, off-exhibit areas or, you know, in the back areas, and we've hung them, and then they have to kind of work work at it, and, you know, we've put it on top of different toys. But other than that, I haven't seen them too much. Again, the pool. Um, uh, they yeah. both have really seemed to like that um, and kind of play around with things that might be floating in there a little bit too. Very cool. But Maybe someday you'll see if they like the hose. I wonder if they would like to play with the hose, like almost just like splash around. Splash around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully when we get out there in like the other yard with the 
the big waterfall. The waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. That, too. that was like, you know, one of Atari and Izzy's favorite things to do is like be in that pool. So hopefully we'll be able to get them out into that pool like, cool. sooner than later. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we do have in my heart, I'm going to push this too. We have a new fishing cat. Ooh, yeah. Awesome. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and uh, she is like obsessed with cardboard boxes. <laughs> I'm finally bringing it up because you asked what their favorite is, the Tigers' uh -huh. favorite enrichment was, and I can't, like, you know, I can't really say yet with them. But uh, with our new fishing cat, her name's Juniper, we give her literally a cardboard box every day. And, and she, she loves, loves it. She loves them. Juniper. So. That's Juniper. a cute. How old is she? Oh, um, I think she's seven. Put you on the spot. Yeah. I'm horrible I know. Thank age, you. So. There's so many animals and so many I know. We, I can't remember mine sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're working on uh, getting some live fish in there oh, for fun. her. Oh, cool. uh, which we'll give her daily, um, which is really fun. So it's been a couple of years since we had a fishing cat in Night Hunters and uh, so you'll have to, visitors will have to come and see that. And I gotta get up there and yeah. see it. Yeah. I gotta see that yeah. ASAP. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't mean to like, you know, stray off from tigers no but that was some... one thing i wanted yeah. to ask though like you guys have a huge collection of animals you take care of do you have outside of the tigers do you have a favorite that you take care of oh, you can't ask you can't you're a zookeeper <laughs> i always and can't I have ask favorites. that <laughs> Just one. She's not going to insult any of her animals on air. Yeah. We'll have to get it. We'll have to get the answer out of her. I will stuff. say, I had a tendency to like the more neurotic ones or have some <laughs> the ones strange that, the personality quirks or special cases. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it is about them, but I just tend to really like think, yeah, you're the one. That's funny. That's awesome. That's so, awesome. not to bring it back too soon or too sad but i do want to touch on you mentioned that all species of tigers are endangered mm -hmm. will you tell us the causes like what are the main issues they're facing and i think we always like to remind people that you know we have zoos to hopefully make people like make an impact on people when they come they either want to make a difference or they want to learn more or we can just simply study them and find out ways that we can help wild tigers or things like that so as much as you've said, like, they didn't choose to be here, the wild isn't always the prettiest place, and they yeah. are all very endangered. So what's going on in the wild that tigers are facing? Or if you want to focus on what Malayans are facing, that's um, cool, too. I, I would say it's going to be the same for okay. all of them, um, and that's just deforestation, um, fragmentation. Um, so their habitat is shrinking, or, you know, they'll have this area here, and then there's, you know, mm. uh, a small area here, and that you know, fragmentation. Especially is, if they're solitary, yeah. like they have to yeah. find each other and travel yeah. miles, I don't know how many yeah. miles to meet and, and breed at the right time, yeah. you know, and, and that can be really difficult if their homeland is cut off by like a train track or a new city right. or their forest exactly. is gone so there's nothing to hunt so they spread apart. Yeah, um, you know, as the other thing too is we've got poaching. Um, it's still a huge problem. Um, you know, and there's beliefs and people that are you know uh, the hunting um and then just poaching them for they think you know tigers this or that is this great medicine mm -hmm. or something like that it's going to give them some powers or whatnot um and unfortunately 
another big problem too is there are literally double the amounts of tigers in the wild in human care mm-hmm. as pets. Yes. Um, and that is one of the saddest things I think too. it's even just in the state of Texas is a, a stat I used yeah. to yeah. know that there are yeah. so many pet tigers or in horrible breeding situations, there's more than there are in the wild yeah. left. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure people have kind of heard about one thing um, too is, um, I trust me, I never get bored a day in this job. It is the coolest job. However, I I understand people's need to want to touch a tiger, especially hold a baby tiger. But if you are going to one of these places that has baby tigers, um, it is not sustainable. Mm, No, and those babies are only in their care, or they only care about those babies as long as As they're small. As long as they're babies. And Um, they can make them money. Yeah, people Mm. need to understand what's happening to those tigers once they grow up, um, and it's pretty sad. So. Mm Um, you know, that's one thing. I totally understand people's want and desire course, to do it, yes. but we've got to, we've got to stop that. We've got to stop the, you know, the end of like doing the, that. The pay to play things yeah. are usually never a good idea unless it's at like a really reputable zoo and it probably wouldn't be advertised as pay to play. Yeah, really, really <laughs> um, so, or even yeah. just to take a photo mm-hmm. with a baby, those, you know, I, uh, interned at a animal sanctuary and there were plenty of stories where like a lion, you know, was used to take photos with until he was six months old and then he was locked in a shed to die and somebody rescued him. Like, they don't care about them once they're too dangerous for those pictures. So, man, we took a dark turn, but like this is, this podcast is about educating on conservation issues and something that really does affect tigers and has kind of been in the media a lot, you know, Tiger King and all the crazy stuff recently. Like, you know, there are definitely situations that might look enticing, but they are not for the best uh, for those animals. Yeah. Um, and that's know. something that's important to distinguish between because, like, I still have family members who will ask me, like, oh, yeah, do you get to play with the lions and pet the lions? And it's like what we do at an AZA facility or the Cincinnati Zoo is a million times different than what you're seeing at, on Tiger King or at right. some of these tiger mills where the breeding is taking place. And it's important to draw those distinctions because we're here to educate and to inspire and to hopefully make a difference for these animals in the wild and those places are here to make a quick buck and then dump their animals unfortunately and it's really sad and that's one of the most important parts we can go back to the species survival plan is having zero engine here if they currently aren't a part of the breeding population they still need a home and that is a part of what these people on the planning committees for the species survival plans is to figure out like what is the right number of tiger cubs that we would need to sustain this population genetically and have diversity, but also that we can house in zoos responsibly and have the space for? So there's mm-hmm. so much that goes into all of this planning. And of course, we need to have cubs yeah. and we need to have breeding so that we never have to bring them in from the wild again. But um, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, the wild is a tough place. There are so many things they are facing. And it's very interesting that tigers are one of those animals that there's more in human homes than there are in the yeah. wild, not hum- even under human double. care, but like, yeah, yeah double. The numbers are astounding. What are the numbers for wild tigers left? Um, I believe we're looking at seven to 10,000. Wow, that is for all the species. so few. All, all of them combined. Yes. Holy yeah. cow. And, you know, we're worried about lions, and I think there's, like, 100,000, which sounds like a ton, but we're still really worried about that. I think it's, sorry, I think I might have given the wrong number. I think that's the number 
inhuman care. Wow. Which is double the yeah. wild tigers. Yeah. I think I get my numbers together. Like when we're talking Malayan, we're talking there's about there's less than five hundred in the wild. Wow. Um, there are none of the South China tigers in the wild. There is um, about thirty to forty in human care, not as pets, but they are trying um, to, you know, breed them in the hopes of them not going extinct. Sustaining the population. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the only reason mm-hmm. that they are there. Um, and we've talked so a lot about the Sumatran tiny. rhinos on the program before, mm-hmm. and it's a similar sort of thing. Like, they're just yeah. trying to keep the species alive at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's Sumatran tiger, too. Yeah. So, and a lot of that, too, we have to look into, like, the palm oil when we talk mm-hmm. about deforestation, too. So palm oil is a hard one for, I know, a lot of the listeners. Like, Palm oil is it's in, everything. It's in everything. Literally it's everything. And it's hard to know, like, who, you know, there are lists and there are apps that you can look to see, you know, which companies are using sustainable palm oil. Um, but you do have to kind of work at it. Mm, and definitely. unfortunately, it's a little more difficult than, you know, we'd like it to be. Yeah. Hopefully we can, you know, get that easier and then, you know, people can try to only use like those companies that are and for anyone wondering or not familiar with it the it's almost like a crop that it's they're taking down forests and planting these palm oil trees and the palm the oil from these palms is used in all sorts of things from shampoo to cereal you know like everything and the issue with it is is it's not a sustainable habitat for these animals so they're trees sure but they aren't providing the fruits or the leaves for the monkeys or the animals living in them, and they aren't providing the habitat for the deer that the tigers hunt. So there's nothing for the tigers to hunt. Well, sure, they could live amongst these trees. They are they don't have anything to sustain them. Yeah. So palm oil is just something that's basically you know being farmed and taking over. It's one of the reasons you know for de- yeah. deforestation. I did a quick Google search, and I'm going to preface this with it was very quick while we're talking just now, and. Um, you know, one of the first things I find is that there are fewer than 3,900 tigers remaining in the wild, and they exist in only 4% of their historic range. And, you know, there are about at least 5,000 tigers in, um, you know, as pets around yeah. the United States and, yeah. and, and human. Madness. Yeah. yeah, so... Um, and Texas comes up very quickly. <laughs> so there's a lot of tigers any from anywhere from two to five thousands live in Texas by some estimates, according to a two thousand eighteen report. So yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, of course there are exotic animals as pets everywhere and but tigers really are one of those that just is it's a status symbol, I yeah. think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um and it, you know, it's unfortunate. It's I think it's hard for a lot of people to, um, we do this offering conditioning and work with our animals and we form bonds with these animals. Mm-hmm. They're family. Yes. Mm-hmm. Legitimately family to us. We spend more time with these animals <laughs> than we spend with our, for sure. our human families. Um, and so, you know, being able to get a tiger to willingly like, give them a vaccine or draw blood, I mean, that took a lot of work and we built a lot of trust. And I think a lot of times um, people will see that, um, that trust that we've built up and think, oh, they can touch the tiger. I can too. Yes. Um, that would be like basically a stranger coming up to you and just like touching you in the face. Right. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> Please scary. go that's away. Awful. What no. are you doing? <laughs> um, so, you know, people need to keep that in mind. Um, 
we never go in with these dangerous mm-hmm. animals. Everything is done in what we call protected contact. So mm-hmm. when we're doing these things, blood draws and vaccines, there is a solid steel barrier between us. Um, we take every precaution too. And, you know, some of these animals, they come up to us, they act like, you, you get this feeling like, oh, I could get in there. And I don't want them. <laughs> they love me, they purr, like our cougars will purr. Like when we come over, they, would they, I, I, we're never going to trust that. Right. <laughs> They're wild animals. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I just think that, you know, I can't be said enough um, to certain people that, you know, safety should be the utmost. And we're professionals that went through like years of being volunteers and temps to get to any chance to take care of these animals. So it's completely different than just having them at home. And we have the you know people that are a lot more people crossing barriers um at zoos and these facilities and I just want to make it clear that it's not a good idea. No, not at all. (laughs) So absolutely well, to put us hopefully on a, a little lighter note, trivia usually brings oh, lots trivia. of giggles. We so, so we should, uh, <laughs> let's let's see what Mark has for us today. Yeah, all important things that need to be said, but uh, yes, it can no. be depressing focusing on that kind of stuff. But I do have some trivia to lighten the mood for okay. you guys a little bit. So I know last time we had a show, we recorded with Cat, and that was pretty rough. I think I got some. Uh, some criticism for some rough trivia. So we're going to change tone a little bit here. I've got true-false today. Wow. True-false. I have a 50-50 chance. True-false, 50-50 chance. You should already get credit for that when it's 50-50. Good job. Absolutely. Score one for Jenna. Math was my worst. We've got four questions today, all right? Question number one. Tiger stripes are only in their fur. So if you shave a tiger, Buff. it's all the sh- same color. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going with Aaron. False. Yeah, false. <laughs> it is false, yeah. Stripes go all the way down through their skin. So if you shave a tiger, it's still orange and black all the way to its skin. And like we said earlier, these patterns are unique to each individual, just like our fingerprint. I'm sure there'll be some amazing photos posted on our Facebook page and members page about our tigers. You'll be able to find some sort of stripes and markings to tell them apart. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) That is cool, though, to imagine their skin just being striped. All right, question number two. How We touched on this earlier. Jenna, we'll see how good you're paying attention. There are, true or false, there are six living subspecies of tigers. True! True, it's Aaron correct. Aaron taught me that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> correct. We've got six living subspecies, Sumatran, Siberian or Amur, Bengal, Malayan, South China, and Indochinese. There are three extinct species, subspecies, I'm sorry, the Havan, Bali, and Caspian tigers. But interestingly enough, when I was looking this up, there is research being done at, I hope I pronounced this right, the Leibniz Institute for Zoo and Wildlife Research in Berlin, and they are proposing that this subspecies should be rearranged into two subspecies. It's like the giraffe yeah, debacle. It's, so okay. it's it's all being done ge- by genetic research, and it wasn't even know. till I think like don't quote me on dates, but I think it was like 2005 or something that they realized that a Mal- the Malayan tiger was actually a different a separate species. subspecies. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I feel like it used to be part of the Mm Indo-Chinese. They were kind of grouped together, yeah. And then it's all its own now. But yeah, now they're doing this genetic research and taking all this data, and they're proposing that there's just two subspecies, and all of these 
current subspecies would be kind of grouped together under these umbrellas. Huh. So, very interesting. Something to keep an they eye on. They seem so different, yeah. though. Like, it seems more likely I they're subspecies. The same thing. But just based on, like, size, like we talked about earlier, the Malayans, you're talking about yeah, a 250 Yeah, some look fluffy, and some look really sleek, and mm-hmm. some look yeah, some darker, so dark or lighter. Orange, yeah. yeah. So, huh. something to keep an eye on moving forward, but for right now, we're still going with six. Okay. All right. Question number four. We're two for two so far. Moving in the right direction. Question number four. Or wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Question number three. I'm skipping, I'm, I'm skipping <laughs> questions here. Question number three. Jenna, you should have known if we were going to do a Tiger podcast, there's going to be a Tony the Tiger question. Oh <laughs> Come on. Tony They're the Tiger. Great. Tony the Tiger. The mascot of Frosted Flakes, obviously. Oh, I thought that was going to be a question. I was like, was I got this. Debuted in 1992. True or false? False. False. Soon er- False. Oh. Further back I'm in old. history. Tony. You guys are correct. Yeah. It's false. You have a guess for what year? Uh, let's see. 1961. I'd say 50s or early 60s, maybe. You guys are on the right track. The Breakfast Legend made his debut in 1952. Ah, <laughs> uh, 1952. I was always a huge sooner. Frosted Flakes kid growing up. <laughs> I haven't had them in years. All right, last question here. We do have a, a professional team in the area, Cincinnati Bengals. Mascot is a tiger. Obviously, oh, we have to touch God. on them. The Cincinnati Bengals have been to three Super Bowl appearances in franchise history. True or false? Is that it? Oh, I know of one. Jenna knows the I'm one. I'm not from here. She's a big Bengals fan. I'm going to call her I'm out. I'm not a Bengals fan. I thought you were. Um, oh, no, no. I, I was. Um, let's see. I know they played one I remember, San Francisco. I was going to say, I think I and saw a throwback, throwback photo of you. I'm going to say... Is it only three? I'm going to say it was two, but maybe it was three. Uh, I thought it was two. The true or false is they've been in three? They've been in three. True I'm going to say true. Jenna's saying true. I'll go with Jenna. True. <laughs> Don't do it, that. It is true. It is true. <laughs> so they, they made Super Bowl appearances in 1982, 1989, and then obviously this past season in 2022. Hopefully with Joe Burrow, yeah. they're not going to just be appearances anymore. They'll have It'll one. be a regular. Yeah, it'll be a title. Yeah. It'll be a title. <laughs> awesome. Hey, four for four today. Yes. Let's go. Thanks, Mark. Perfect. Day. I feel better about myself. <laughs> Aaron, are there any other tiger facts or fun things you wanted to share with us before we get into the final question? Wait, there's more questions. You know, you know, you're prepared for it. What? I have a final question. What can I do? But I oh. wanted to see if there's anything else. Anything else? If not, that's okay. But I just want to make sure you didn't have any fun facts or or stories or anything. Yeah. Tiger info we needed to know. Um, I don't know. Um, are we gonna talk poop? Do you want to talk poop? We can talk. I mean, what do you want to say know. about poop? I want to know. Like, okay, so lion poop because you you know obviously <laughs> take care of lions. Like, well, I did too for a little bit, but tiger poop is so like it does not dissolve in water like it is so hard like huh i've never put our lion poop in I water know. i we can't don't, like, dissolve it but it's not something you can flush down a drain you know other poop you hold oh. it and it kind of like you know melts away yeah. i'm just curious 
Huh. I like know. I don't know what she put us on the spot. She put us on the spot. I always put pick up our lion poop by hand. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I never try and hose it. Yeah, I remember our white line gracious. Like her poop was pretty hard, like tigers, but like tiger poop is just crazy. There's something different about tiger poop, yeah. huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not always that way, but for the most part, tiger poop is like you're just re like there are times that you literally could not crush it with your hand. It's wow. that like. Fun I feel like for yeah, everyone. people fun. might want to know that. Like, yeah, now I feel like I need to try that is and a fun brush fact our lion poop. You know, you know what? Fun fact is, lion poop is my very least favorite. Mm, yeah, my very least really? favorite in this department. Ostrich is a close second. Ostrich What's is your pretty rough. What's your Ostrich like? is pretty rough. Um, I don't know. Not that the poop is that bad, but those hippo pools. Just cleaning out the hippo pools, oh, you get the soggy poop at the bottom oh, of the pool, yeah, and it's just yeah, and it's like three hundred pounds of yeah, it. And you no, have to haul it up the stairs. Like that is a pain in the, the butt. The lion poop just smells it reeks, the worst. Yeah, it's, it's the grossest yeah. to me. I'd pick up a hippo poop barehanded. I mean, it's just hay. Yeah, it's especially just after you with elephant. It's so funny. It's elephant poop with like softened. Yeah, we, yeah, it's soaked. It's a little. Yeah, that's bad, but. Uh, it's funny, like, you talk with friends where I, like, use a little piece of toilet paper to pick up, like, hair out of the shower drain. I was talking about this with, like, Dr. Curry and oh Dr. Louisa. God. And it's, like, uh, it's my own hair. I literally just cleaned it. Like, I, I shampooed <laughs> it. It fell off of my head into the drain, and I don't want to touch it. But Same I will here. pick up hippo poop with my bare hands I have picked on up a daily so basis. much poop with my bare hands. And you know what else I can't stand is food in the sink oh, in the drain. Yeah. Oh, I will not yeah. pick that up with yeah. my bare hand. Yeah. Absolutely not. It's food. I just got done chopping it right. or whatever. You would eat it like two seconds yeah. previous. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, I will not pick that it's up with my bare hand. It's wet and it's in a drain. <gasps> Zookeepers are so weird. That's for yeah. sure. That is we for sure. We are weird yeah. in the coolest way. That's what we're going to tell ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we are, but we're weird. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, it. well, this has been fantastic. It. Thank you, Erin. You've done a great job, and you have great stories. And I, I'm yeah. thankful you asked about tiger poop. Um, but we do have a final question. Yes. And, you know, people are hearing now. They've just heard how endangered tigers are. Do you have any advice for them, or what, what can I do? How can I help? Um, there's a lot of things you can do. I know we talked about palm oil, um, but... There is a, an American-based um, organization, and they are called Panthera. Um, they help with a lot of the bigger and wild cats, but I would check out uh, their website, share it with people, um, see what you can do that way. Um, definitely, they actually provide some financial support, um, and if you're able to provide that as well to them, that's always something you can do. Um, but they do things to prevent poaching. Um, they work with various companies to try to help like negate like the deforestation and try to regulate mm. that. Um, they also do a lot of research, um, a lot of like conservation work and just all around a great group. So if you wanted to, you could go to panthera.org and check out, and they have a Facebook page that you can see a lot of different cats on, and you could even share that, and just for education's sake, so that people Absolutely. have, like, if you can't make a, a monetary donation, that's okay, but just educating by sharing cool pictures of animals and, like, learning about them and what, like, issues they're facing would be something you could do. Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't even realize, you know, we're, we're on the verge of losing tigers. Mm -hmm. I mean, completely. So It's insane to think, yeah, like less than 4,000 probably roam this earth. Like It's, it's 
it's really sad. So, you know, the more we can educate and, hey, visit visit the zoo. Visit Jen and Zero. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, say hi, even, you know, just doing that. Teach um, your niece, your nephew, your son, your daughter, a friend about them, and maybe they'll grow up to make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Panthera, great organization. Go to their website, share their news on Facebook, educate yourself and others. I need to educate myself. I need to look up the website, honestly. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Uh, there's something coming up at the end of July, right? Yeah, we've got World Tiger Day, um, where we celebrate all things tiger. Um, so Cincinnati Zoo here will have um, a table set up with all kinds of information about tigers, um, ways that you can help them, information you can learn. We like to put out a lot of fun different uh, enrichment for the tigers, so there's always something going on. Uh, for you to see and, and kind of engage with them a little bit. Very cool. So they might maybe see keepers out a little bit more than Yeah, we do post people out there to kind of answer questions and talk to you or, and all of our visitors. So it's a lot more engaging, a lot more to do that day and get some fun pictures. And cool. So fun. July 29th, World yeah, Tiger World Day. Tiger World Day. Tiger Day. Awesome. Well, this will be coming out just in time for everyone to hear and come see Jin or Zero, one or the other, and uh, celebrate World Tiger Day. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks again, awesome. Aaron. This has yeah. been great. Thanks for sharing so much about tigers and your career and funny stories. Yeah. <laughs> and the new fishing cat. Check, yeah. out, check out Jupiter. Ju- Juniper. Juniper. <laughs> Almost. Gotta end it embarrassing myself somehow. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Until next time, take care.